The year, the future. The location, Detroit. The movie, Robot Cop 3. The hosts, it's Josh and Charles, because it's When Will It End, the movie podcast. Hi, hi, hi. and uh, Hi, Charles. Can you hear the little voice, or is that just only in my audio? What little voice? <laughs> so um, you know, we're on Facebook Messenger, as we do now, when we're podcasting in 2020. Mm. And I chose the inflatable balloon man. And I can hear a little man going, So we're also joined, we're joined by Inflatable Balloon Man today. And I want to welcome Inflatable Balloon Man to the cast. Inflatable Balloon Man, what's your story? Sing me your sorrows, brother man. The strong, silent type. I admire that. Hey, today Greek, on the show, it's like Greek salad all over again. Hold on, Greek salad brought a lot to the table, and by that I mean I think it left a stain on your table. <laughs> yeah, probably. We did. We actually got a new table. It, was it because of Greek salad? Yeah, we, I, I, my roommates were like, "What the fuck happened down here?" I was like, "We were podcasting," and like, "No, I mean that's the saddest thing to admit." Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm moving out of my parents' house pretty soon, but once, whenever I have to be like, "Guys, I'm podcasting," it sucks here too because like. I mean, you've gotten a lot better. I'm going to, you know, this isn't, this is not meant to be like a backhanded compliment or a humble brag or any of those double things. There he is. <laughs> Josh has the strange grin thing. I don't even know what to I call look it. Like, I look like the crazy frog when I open my mouth. Ring, ding, 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 You know who you look like? You look like, I'd buy that for a dollar. That's true. God, what a legend. What a legend. Yeah, he makes it. He's in three. They brought I'm him back. Incredibly proud of him. He he did a great job. Um, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Doesn't fucking matter. You, said, fuck- you were saying, you know, you're better than you used to be. You used to suck, and now it's a little better. Well, I gave you. A, I was like, went out of my way to give you a, a backhanded jab. Oh yeah, because you're better at scheduling now. I also have to do the same thing, except because I like, I don't like live with my parents. Where I could just be like, go to your fucking room, mom. I have to be like, hey, guys, I really need to yell in the basement for an hour. So if you could just be quiet and not come down here, that would be great. Well, and you're hitting on an, under, an underrated part of living with your parents as an adult, which is bullying your parents. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it sounds great. I am talking to my mom right now about moving back. To Portland, Maine? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't. This little balloon man is really distracting. Do you want one more comment from the balloon man before I change to something yeah, else? Yeah, let's. We're going to miss the balloon guy. He is really charming. For folks at home, his little arms are wrapped right around. Charles's little head. It's great. He's having a blast over there. Yeah, here I'm going to put go. put my cans to my mic and see what happens. Okay. Say something, balloon man. This is 2020. We're both in our 30s, and you're like beseeching a digital balloon man that no one can see to talk on our shitty movie podcast. <laughs> oh, that's horrifying! Stop it. <laughs> okay. Um, Don't cut any of that out. <laughs> Well, at least we're having fun. Thank the, goodness. And the, may I say, yeah. after last week's absolute nightmare, I was delighted by RoboCop three. So, before I want to get a little—I mean, obviously we're in the we're in the midst of a strange crisis right now, and in, well, I guess many crises all at once. Um, and I yeah, I think last week's episode matched I I'm matched the like mood of the week, uh, exhausted right-wing pro cop just sort of having to sit there and watch it and like i we 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 met we like we had a little phone conversation before this episode being like all right this movie's probably going to be very bad 
let's see what we can do. Do we scrap it? Do we not talk about it? Do we, what are we going to do? And then I watched it and I was like, uh, Josh, I think this is actually a good movie. You have to watch this too. And so, yeah, we're, we're actually just going to legitimately talk about RoboCop 3 for an hour. Which is great. Yeah, we were totally planning a Hobson Shaw style, you know, I don't know. Last time we ranked uh, ten the 10 best moments in Star Wars, which again, nothing but positive feedback from that. Everyone agrees with that list. And who knows what we would have come up with this time. But I was delighted that RoboCop 3 is uh, weirdly celebratory in a way that I was not prepared for. Yeah. Um, so that's not to say that everything is solved and this the world we live in is still sucks but i think in some way it does sort of match the mood of like discovering that cities around this country are choosing to like look at the budgets of their police departments and take money out of them and that seems like i don't know is it i'm not even sure if that's a big win or a small win but it's like it's a start it's joyful but i'm thinking about i'm thinking about in seattle protesters creating a temporary autonomous zone for six blocks of the city as the cops evacuate a precinct entirely like there's wild shit happening and 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 you know cops are there's activists talking about how it took years to get cops fired for shootings in decades past and now there's cops getting fired and some even arrested so again the incremental agonizing progress this country makes out of its white supremacist origins and it's you know, violent police state and the unbelievable experience so many people in this country have, we're seeing that dialogue happen on a stage that has never happened before. Yeah. And it's in, it's incumbent on all of us to keep supporting our communities and support and listening to the people who've been most affected by that, remembering the names of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Tony McDade and the unbelievably long list of people who have been executed by that police state. But, you know, I was feeling celebratory over the weekend for the first time, and that's been tempered since then by some other stuff. But Look, RoboCop 3 features a black woman leading an insurrectionary movement against corporate Nazi police to stop gentrification and what seems like genocide, while a young woman teaches a robot cop how to explore his feelings and become a more fulfilled person. Yeah. And somehow this was written by Frank Miller? So that's, I mean, this is what I, I mean, if if we were to base on the last one, his first script for RoboCop 2 was unfilmable. And... Maybe the same thing happened here. Like Frank Miller wrote a piece of shit script, Fred Decker. But you said they were friends. So it's like, it is very strange that, I mean, maybe we miss something and maybe they see this as satirical as the first one was, where it's like, oh, look at this awful world where people hiding and no, but it's, it's like so overt. It can't be like a satire on protest and stuff. No, I don't think it is. I no. think weirdly, like this is a, a like a leftist populist movie. Because part of the thing about RoboCop two that was so fucking frustrating was at the end they're like, "Well, OCP will go on to fight another day. We can't win every battle." And it's like, "Oh, that's fun for our hero to say." <laughs> like we're only human. That last line, yeah, which just feels like this. Like why even fight? Why even fight? The, yeah. the, the house always wins. And right. this movie ends with OCP getting fucking blown the fuck up from the inside while RoboCop <laughs> flies away with a child. And it's amazing. Right. It's just like so uh, joyously non-satirical. Like I think we've seen this a, a few times in our investigative work as podcasters, franchise podcasters, where sequels end up aligning differently. Like I say this is a direct sequel to, to one. And it, it you could take two out. And I think there's only like maybe even one thing that really happened between one and three that is in three. 
But also it's a tonal thing where we talked about how bright and obnoxious and unrelenting 2 was and how it feels like a different world. It feels like something that doesn't capture the grittiness of the first movie at all. And this movie – and reading about it, they, they shot it in Atlanta and the abandoned buildings are real abandoned buildings that were going to be demolished to make way for the 96 Olympics. Wow. So this movie is like literally being wow. shot – in an actual community where actual corporate gentrification was literally reshaping that environment. So something about bringing it back to that very like lived in space gave it that sort of like sad hopefulness that the first movie had that I found really powerful in this one. Yeah. So it's, it's really nice to, even though it has the same writer, um, it it feels as though two was not even a thought. They're like, well, let's just do a sequel to one it's the exact same characters. You have you got your fucking Johnson back, and and let me say, Johnson's back. Like, uh, and honestly, I didn't even miss um, what's his name, Bob Morton or who? No, who's the RoboCop from the first one? Oh, Peter Weller. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't so even. This was I, shot in '91, and he was shooting Naked Lunch, and he was like, "I am not fucking walking away from Naked Lunch <laughs> to make RoboCop 3. God bless him. God. And bless that's him. smart because. As much as praises were given to this movie, this movie isn't great. This isn't right. like we actually we settled on the same letterbox score pretty quickly because it's like a competent, nice movie, and it was fun to watch. And that's kind of I think where it, it ends. It loses the lack of cynicism and the lack of, of complex political commentary makes this a very different experience from Robocop. And yet compared to two, it it's just not fascist propaganda, which gives it a huge leg up. Yeah. And also, honestly, right now, I don't mind just, like, uh, the scene where all the cops throw their badges away. The scene uh, where, you know, RoboCop chooses to to protect the church full of people. Like, these are, these are just, like, moments that right now I'm happy to watch. Where I, like, see cops not be good cops, but cops throw away the identity of the police so they can actually do the job of the police. And I think that's what, like, I was talking to my dad and other older people like a couple and like the idea of defunding the police is something that they don't understand and they don't really i mean my dad is doing a great job this time around which is really nice like i remember the ferguson and he was just like clinging to this identity that he'd grown up with his entire life and i think finally he's trying to get rid of that but it is just like nice to see that you can have a space for law enforcement but have them actually do a job that serves their community. And RoboCop 3 is like, it's it's goofy, it's over the top, it's very overt, but it's like the exact message that I want right now. Right, you see cops give up protecting property for corporate overlords to serve a community and sacrifice something and show solidarity with, you know, people. And what we see is this like faceless horde of people beating and murdering people. <laughs> and yeah, I guess it's nice to watch a fun fairy tale yeah. shot in a very distant time about imagine if cops prioritize that and that culture, everything about that culture that was fetishized for decades in American media and and, and our, in the world we live in was actually true. And, and it wasn't just this like pretty transparent effort to maintain a status quo that benefits a certain elite and you know, keeps a certain group of people or groups of people in, in in absolute misery. So, yeah, that was kind of powerful to watch right now. Yeah. Um, I was impressed. I was really impressed with that. Like, I cheered by myself. I, I gasped by myself. I don't think I ever got to the crying point because it isn't terribly, like, 
the emotional resonance is more just like that yes moments not really like deep hurt moments or anything because it doesn't quite capture it but like if i were seeing this in a movie theater with you and other people that were excited about the prospect of these protests actually doing something i could see this being like one of the most fun viewing events to do right now if we weren't all hiding in our homes from an invisible plague yeah it would be great if that wasn't going on yeah that would be really nice so I want to get into some of the this the cast of this movie oh. is fucking insane. <laughs> and I want to start with like maybe the less obvious place to start with. Stephen Root has been being Stephen Root for such a long time. Yes. And I just I just finished watching Barry where Isn't he it is good? phenomenal. It's very good. It's very good. The second season is remarkably good. But seeing Stephen Root in 1991 when this was shot. <laughs> yeah. Just being fully Stephen Root is Some, so funny. Yeah, because I was I was born in 1990, so to watch Stephen Root just like know his lane and fucking score every time, doing a sweaty, chubby, strange-looking man who's untrustworthy is just ma- magnificent. And I loved his performance in this. He's been rooting since you've been rooting since I've been tooting. Yeah, tooting. There we go. Yeah, all right. <clears throat> you've been he uh, he's been rooting. Since you've been tooting. Yeah. Um, I loved CCH Pounder as Bertha Washington was fucking awesome. She was great. The leader of of the rebellion. As a Grateful Dead fan, I enjoyed thinking about her theme song being the legendary track Bertha. Uh, But she was phenomenal. She's the kind of person who's like, we've got to do this, everybody. And you're like, fuck yeah, we got to do it. Yeah, she was great. Um, Also, someone that's been Whitfording as long as you've been tooting. Oh my is, god! Uh, is like you have these people that I grew up watching. I didn't grow up, but like the West Wing was like a show that I really got into in my very early twenties, like late teens, early twenties, and it was I don't know. It was like one of the first TV shows that I was like, oh yeah, this is great. I want to I want to be like these assholes just walking. Well, in his and name was his name was Josh. So I was raised in a house from elementary school where my adorable liberal boomer parents worshipped the West Wing. My dad is now re-watching it as his comfort show while I watch The Next Generation right now. But that show is definitely a a poison on our culture. It is yeah. a terrible, terrible thing. There's actually a lot of podcasts that explore exactly how bad The West Wing is. But yes, I love Bradley Whitford as the wheeler and the dealer and the slime ball. And yeah. And he's cranking been, it up to like a noxious 11 in this movie. He is just delicious. And he gets to, to pair off of uh, our boy Johnson, which is amazing. So like Johnson, we were saying he was really a uh, serious in two. I don't really know that Frank Miller and uh, the, the curse really understood the role of a Johnson in a movie. Like uh, Johnson is there to do a very specific thing and they just didn't understand what a Johnson does. But Mr. Decker. By the way, this, this is the great Felton Perry, we should say. He, okay. We've, we've been uh, singing his praises for long enough. Uh, yeah. The great Felton Perry is phenomenal. He actually was on The West Wing, it turns out. He did oh, two really? episodes. Interestingly, playing two different characters. Weird. That's so funny. That How that, about that? That would, I don't, I feel like that would not happen anymore. It's harder to pull off. He's in Dumb and Dumber. That's cool. Cool. <laughs> Who did he play? Uh, Dumb Dumber, he plays, uh, believe it or not, a detective. What? Wow. What This guy's yeah. got such great range. Um, but, like, yeah, the, so the, watching Bradley Whitford and what was his name? Felton. Felton Perry, the great Felton, Felton Perry. Perry. Um, they're just, uh, I don't know, just like I didn't feel that watching two. I never felt 
Like in the first one, you sort of still get that. Like even though it's a, a gross, bloody satire, the criminals have that camaraderie. There's like a, like a nice connection between the people in their groups. And two, just like I didn't feel connected to anything and no one felt connected to anybody in the movie. Exactly. And also, I guess Peter Weller both hated the script and was going through a breakup. So like he's just almost a non-entity <laughs> in two, which sucks. Um, yeah, honestly, but no, but- this dude is – I like the new guy almost better than Weller in two, Ron, uh, Robert John Burke. Well, okay, you hit on something a minute ago I really want to dig into because yeah, this occurred to me while watching it. When you watch the first movie, the thing about the first movie is that – Boddicker and his gang are like really cool. You, it's they're awesome scumbums. They're like hanging out in warehouses, being evil, but they're like really good friends, and their camaraderie is really real, and it's like really enjoyable to watch them hang out and be pieces of shit together. And in this yeah. movie, brilliantly, we get to be a part of like a a weird gang of scummy rebels living in the sewers, and it's a brilliant inversion of the first movie, where now we're, we're the guys hanging out in the in the warehouse, and we're sympathizing with their campaign of destruction because it's 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 righteous and noble, and I, I loved that because you're right in two, there's like nothing to root for; it's just a bitter, ugly movie, and this is the opposite. Yeah, because in two, the only thing that we are given to root for is cop. I I must love cop to love RoboCop too to like feel anything, and not and, a pussy cop who has feelings and cares about people. <laughs> a cool cop who just mows down rows and rows of people endlessly to, to like the cheers of the audience. I think in, in Frank Miller's original script, like Lewis guns down every single child in that in on that softball team. Ugh, two sucks so bad. Um, well, while we're talking about the cast, we simply must talk about the most inspired casting in the movie. The wonderful Rip Torn is the oh. new shitty CEO guy. Oh. He Rip Torn is the best. The Larry David Show is one of the best show. The Larry David Show, excuse me, the Larry Sanders Show. Okay, I can use my Jews there. I'm allowed to. You're allowed. I'm Jewish. That's fine. I didn't. I but, wasn't uh, sure if there was like a, a Louis C.K. thing where Larry David had an, an original show called the Larry David Show that I somehow didn't know about. Well, Curb is essentially that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, uh, Rip Torn is fucking magical as Artie, the producer on the Larry Sanders show. If you've never seen the yeah. series, it is no, one so of good. the best in my top five TV shows, bar none. And he is, if you need someone to come in and serve up a steaming, delicious performance full of spit and spittle, he is just fantastic. And I loved him. Yeah, he was, uh, I think he's better than the old man in the first one. I mean, the, uh, it's hard to compare because the first one's just like a perfect movie. It's genius. It's one of my favorites but for like the fit i think they both fit very well for what they're trying to do and rip torn was a magical choice to to like pull this every every single person was perfect i never felt like someone was miscast and i felt like everyone was doing the exact business that i wanted them to be doing and no one was overdoing anything yeah and and i can't stress enough this is a this was a fun engaging movie to watch like it was a real pleasure frequently on the show it feels like we're doing homework and this was not the case this yeah. this was like comfort food and in, in a in a lovely way I, I wanted to double back for a minute because i just thought of something what this movie does that's so cool and and what i asked for in robocop 2 was for the, these movies to engage a lot more with robocop on a philosophical and spiritual level and we get a lot of that in this movie but there's two points that are really cool the first is he reviews his prime directives at a crucial moment between choosing to follow his OCP rulers, so to speak, or defend the community, protect the public trust. And we see him ration out this morality 
and it's done almost wordlessly, basically wordlessly, other than the text in his vision. Yeah. Where we watch him make a decision. I mean, we watch him judge the virtues of law enforcement around the community and the public. And, and I thought that was like a remarkably well done scene that could have been handled so poorly that it really invested in and gave a lot of rich meaning to. Yeah, it's like what every police officer is also doing right now, except just choosing the wrong thing. Like they must be going in their brain, uphold the law, protect the innocent. Uh, what's this? What's the third directive? There's three directives. It's like Off. protect the innocent, preserve the public trust, uphold yeah. the law, and yeah. then four and is then, like don't fuck with the OCP. Yeah. Which thank God the little baby erases from his memory banks, mm-hmm. and she's great. Good we job, lady. Talk about her. But I think every cop either has so brainwashed themselves to not even care anymore, or must every day be like, oh, I'm not upholding the law. Oh, I'm not protecting the innocent. Oh, man, this sucks. Like, how can you, like, that's that's, that's a perfect scene to show, like, why the cops at the end of the movie all throw away their badges. Like, this is not what you're paid to do. This is not the role of your job. You are intended to do better. And the fact that, like, all the subversive satire from the first one was literalized and it it somehow like it still works like all the stuff that was used so well to point out all the problems here it's like they're using the exact same thing to point out what we could be doing differently to solve these problems yeah that that was beautiful and then also we get one of the most unbelievably weird moments i've ever seen in a movie when robocop explores his memory banks after the death of Lewis, which is a whole sequence we will talk about. There's a sequence, because you remember, what I was asking for at the end of RoboCop was, I want to get into the feelings of this Frankenstein ghost man living in the robot body. This is so crazy. And in this movie, we get a dream sequence where he can't seem to distinguish between his wife and Lewis, who morph in and out of each other in a bizarre cybernetic landscape rushing by behind them as their faces morph in and out of each other it was absolutely fucking delightful yeah and then also lazarus in there at first i was like huh i don't know if this is really working it's just like is combining all the women together but no i think it's like really nice that it's it's sort of like if the avengers scene actually worked for me where it's like this is such a masculine movie it's a very well the other ones have been so violent and here it's like these women are very important in his life in each in a very different way, but they're all basically teaching him how to be a better person. And it's not that like they're indistinguishable, like they can be swapped in and out. Like it doesn't matter to him, but like each of these is like a new chapter where he's learning how to be a different person and a better person. And it was a really like, especially for a movie like this, which is so silly and sort of by the numbers to have this like almost drugged, like this should have been in two, like all this fucking new yeah. Like, why wasn't there a weird tripped out scene in two? And like you watching three or just expecting a RoboCop flying around and suddenly you get this like weird, almost psychedelic, but like computer psychedelic shit. It was really great. Well, well, two like goes out of its way to talk about how having sentimentality is for like cowards and liberals or whatever. And this movie is the opposite where he like he marinades in the women who have shaped his life and a woman leads him to that realization. And yeah. There's something weirdly revolutionary about RoboCop 3 having that level of emotional complexity around this guy who in 2 is just written to be a robot man who murders people, you know? Yeah. And and this feels like – is there a fourth one? Are we doing a fourth one? Yeah, I think so. I mean that's the plan right now is to do the the reboot slash remake 
of well, one. Well, there's also the animated series, which someone pointed out to me. Yeah, which we're like, not watching uh, the entire no, animated been, series. There's been like five TV shows. Oh, no, God. We, I yeah, we can't we do that. No. That's um, insane. I think before we get too more loose and just sort of wandering around, I think it might benefit our conversation and the listener to have like a very brief plot summary just so that like I'm I bet people are like thought the same thing we did like I'm not going to especially right now watch another pro cop fascist uh you know tug job of a film but so they probably didn't watch it and I think it might be good to sort of hit the beats and then get back to Lewis and Yeah Robo-Cop. because what if I told you about the splatterpunks Yeah exactly wow what tell me more Are you going to offer a snob are you going to offer context to traditionally the realm in which you yeah. flail the most Yeah I'm going to do that all right. All right. So here's Everyone, what. Sit down. Uh, get sit comfortable. Back, get some cake. Uh, and uh, I don't know what. Some milk? cake. Yeah, I don't know. All something right. That, well, something that you could eat for a couple minutes and have. Everyone fun. go to Mama's cupboard, pick up the cake dish, get yeah. a big slice of moist pound cake. If go you're driving to, to work, comforter. fucking turn around. Go back to Mama's cupboard. Get, get a slice of that moist pound cake. Mm. Sit down. Uh, have a slice. All right. So this takes place potential it's it's like doesn't even really mention two but this movie just starts up and it's we're, as always we're on the verge of delta city and i do like that delta city is never built and it's been in every movie just like this constantly never gonna happen thing to right. all, all it is is just like a, a fake impetus for capitalists to run around and, and do bullshit um right this this company has been trying to build a new detroit over old detroit for some time now and it is a real pain in the ass it seems like yeah, um, but OCP is uh, even more Nazi-looking than before under the direct leadership of Paul McDaggett, played by John Castle, who is a very, like, Nazi-ish-looking fellow. Well, he doesn't um, lead the company. He leads the Urban Rehabilitators, the Nazi thanks. shock force that's been in, brought in to clear out Cadillac Heights, which is a great name for anything. It is good. I'm sorry. Yes, that's, of course, John, uh, John Castle's the like, second-in-command to Rip Torn, who is... The CEO, but yes, um, so he's he's like leading the on the ground assault of the places that he's trying to kick people out of, and the the beginning's great. You're introduced to the kid and her parents. Um, the kid who is I forget her name even, but she's Nico. Nico, thanks. Um, so we'll talk about her later as well because she's really cool. Um, um, but so she's disrupted from her home as her home is knocked down while they're still living there and she joins up with a group of rebellion that is basically like star warsy in that there's a bunch of people on the ground who are kicked out of their homes and they're fighting back against this oppressive regime well hold on you missed the great moment where her father goes don't worry you're safe here at home while she watches the news and then a wrecking ball smashes directly into the room that they're in it is hysterical it's so good it is really great and I'm sorry, I'm feeling very pressured right now. I've never done this really that well before, so I appreciate you coming in. You're doing great. I'm just jumping in for a little bit yeah. of salt and pepper. Yeah. Um, I also have a very bad memory, and I watched this a couple of days ago. So, yes, please continue to help me out. Uh, meanwhile, the police are not on strike. So that's, this is sort of where I feel like this is ignoring, too, because it almost, like, calls it out. There's a line where the sergeant's just, like, he's on the phone. He's like, no, we're not on strike. And then he hangs up, and it's like, all right, great. They're just, like, getting rid of that whole thing. And they're not really, they're like sort of working for OCP. OCP has a room in the police department where they're running this like urban, what'd you call it? The urban. They're the urban rehabilitators. And and may just, again, we have to shout out Robert Duque, the, the late Robert Duque who plays Sarge. Oh. Really just, man, 
just doing yeoman's work in this series. What a delightful, delightful performance across all three movies. He's the most consistent presence. He is. He's wonderful. Yeah, I think he really is because both Johnson and Lewis really sort of became bad and boring in two. But I think he really stuck with it and did his best. And yeah, he was, he's been a, like they have the only three, right? That were in all three movies. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like he's just, it's really fun to have him there and just be like a constant force in this series. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the police are, they're sort of doing their own thing. They're like working alongside OCP and, uh, the gang of, well, not gang, I won't call them a gang cause they're great. Well, I mean a gang and just in terms of a, a group of people working together, but the resistance fighters are blow up a police station and steal some shit. And then they get chased by a bunch of cops and we are introduced to the new RoboCop. But hold on quickly. There's Fuck. an amazing shit. moment. Fuck. When what? when uh, when Bertha and company are raiding the uh, complex, and it's the kind of thing that is you just got to nail this kind of moment where she sees the jetpack and she goes, "Get that!" And then uh, Seven goes, "What is it?" She goes, "I don't know, but it looks expensive." Yeah, and she just nails that. And like, I feel like in two, none none of the banter works. Like two is just dry and flat and sour, and Dude. just like every, everyone is delicious in this. Fucking, there's a scene where a, like a loser with a giant gun uh, invades a cop hangout, which should have just been a throwaway scene. But Jeff Garland is the dude behind the counter, and like he's great. It's just like everyone. I don't know. Decker must have just been like, I don't know. Was he like a, just a cool guy in Hollywood at the time? He just like knew all these cool, funny people. It's it's like the casting is too good to have just been a coincidence. It really was great. Okay, well, so he he did Night of the Creeps and the yeah. Monster Squad. And I Shane like- Black, who wrote the Monster Squad, is in RoboCop yeah. Three, which is very uh-huh. funny. Yeah, um, I don't know. Decker definitely brings this like fun, punchy, classic Hollywood sensibility to all the comedy beats that work really well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, he he also punched up Titan AE and Lethal Weapon Four. He wrote some Star Trek Enterprise. Like he's done all kinds of stuff. It just seems like he's a classic Hollywood guy who understands how to make a fun, juicy movie. Yeah. Night of the Creeps is pretty fun. It's not like one of my favorite of that style of horror movie, but it's definitely fun. Uh, Monster Squad's okay. Again, not like my kind of thing, but for what it's well, doing. He also, it's... he did four episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and I believe CCH okay. Pounder and Stephen Root and some of the other actors were people he had worked with on Tales from the Crypt. Gotcha. And I was going to say, we I don't know if we'd mentioned Bertha's, uh, the name of the actor who plays Bertha, but CCH Pounder I, is... I have said that repeatedly, if you were fucking listening to me. Okay. I, I, I'm really desperately trying to remember the plot of this movie. So piece maybe. of shit. You but could C- just read it. CCH Pounder. No, I'm doing it from memory. I'm not going to cheat. CCH Pounder. It's not cheating to read name. reference points. Okay. I'm going to do it from memory, though. I'm going to do it. And you're going to help Okay. Me. Okay? All right. Continue. Um, so uh, Lewis is, while trying to catch uh, Bertha and the gang, they get into a car accident and get stranded in the middle of... What was the it? splatter what was punks. But hold on. Fucking How splatter do we pu- see punks. Lewis... Jesus. They introduce Lewis in such a fucking amazing way. The guy goes to rob the donut store. Jeff Garland has his Jeff Garland moment. And then all the cops are, they get a call and it's all cops in the store and they all put their guns on the guy. And it's funny. It is funny. You know, yeah. Cops are fucking 
uh, just, armored people carrying lethal weapons, and it's great. They're just um, eating sugar donuts all day long, just just savagely waiting to beat somebody up. It's sick. And they're like, yeah. oh, here's this call. Who's going to take it? I don't want to take it. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. And the camera takes us through the donut shop all the way to the back where someone's reading a newspaper. And she pops the newspaper down and blows a big bubble of gum like in the first movie. And it's Lewis. And I was – this is the kind of third installment shit where I'm like, yes – like load the frosting up when you when you bring in Lewis when we finally see RoboCop he is introduced brilliantly but okay I loved I loved Lewis's intro yeah me too and it's it's like yes just more of that just I'm back it felt like I was back at some strange not home but like you're back at your childhood home as an adult and you're like oh yeah this place I feel like very comfortable here she's really good I can't wait to talk about her death scene that scene is great well let's get there buddy um, yeah, so the, so the splatterpunks, one they, of the best parts. Of the, I love any movie that depicts street punks in an amusing way, and this is, this is just fantastic punk material. So the punks come out. They sort of wait for the police to run out of ammunition, and they slowly saunter up to murder these cops. And then, meanwhile, there's this piece of shit male chauvinist who's yelling at Lewis, being like, why'd you bring this broad along? She can't drive for shit. And she's like, shut the fuck up, buddy, or I'll make you eat your stupid tie. And meanwhile, they're all cowering in fear. What's going to happen? Uh, fucking RoboCop drives to the top of a parking garage and drives his car off of the parking garage and just crashes out to the ground. Well, Comes hold on. You once, again, you once again missed a huge chunk here. RoboCop, um, the, the van so full bad. of rebels is running away from the police station, and they manage to outsmart oh, right. all of the other cars by using by manipulating the streetlights. It's very fun mm. until only one car is left behind them. And Nico, the little girl, goes, and is it him? And do you think it's him? Um, and it's cool because earlier in the movie we've seen that she has a RoboCop action figure which is sort of the first acknowledgement in this world that people are already turning him into this like god figure while frank miller just calls him the christ is stripped in two which is one of the worst (laughs) lines in the entire series i thought you made that up and like i didn't remember it it's 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 such a i don't even know what it means the christ is stripped but i sort of like it it sounds like the name of an album for one of your releases no, I would never talk about Christ on a limbs. Well, actually, there, there's a limbsman song called White Christ, which is all about like the maddening, ahistoric like supremacy of claiming Christ was white, which is psychotic. Um, it is, but no. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's, it's not, not really psychotic in that it's just like a magic fairy tale for white people now, so they might as well just like do whatever they want to him. I, I guess, guess so. The but belief like is psychotic, right? He's some a Mesopotamian guy born in Israel. It's <laughs> yeah. not like going to look like fucking. Jim Caviezel. But uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, so the young girl who's finding her new home, et cetera, they realize that it's RoboCop chasing them. And it's kind of – it's this moment. And and he chooses to to betray his orders, which that galvanizes that whole other part where he gets reprogrammed. But he chooses to give up on that chase to go save his friends from the Splatterpunks who he mows down like a fucking – like a goddamn entire lawn full of ruthless dandelions. He just (laughs) – because what's cool is now RoboCop, even though it's like certainly the least violent of the three, and I don't even know how many, like RoboCop doesn't really kill many people, which I sort of liked. Well, this is like the first, this was the one they made after the animated series, and this was more like yeah. a movie for kids. And which honestly, g- given the, the ugliness of two, I was yeah. fine I with that. I really like that he's not killing people anymore. It's It's like the opposite of a Terminator 2, where it's just unbelievable and dumb, where here it's like, no, this is all about police being servants to the community. 
And he is going to find ways to solve problems that isn't just blasting holes into people's chests. Right. And then also, you know, in Terminator 2, by sanding off all the edges of Terminator, you'll kind of lose the essence of the character and get like essentially a walking, you know, toy. And and this is the opposite. This really dives into what makes him work. So yeah. I would differentiate it along those lines as well. It's more kid-friendly objectively, but emotionally it's it has nuance to it that Terminator 2 thinks having him say sayonara is like a big breakthrough, which I, I still fucking hate. Uh, also, Terminator 2 is a misogynist piece of shit where RoboCop 3 has four, four, four badass, strong, capable heartfelt women characters that are like all the men in this movie are, are well actually not all there's some really cool men in this movie too it's like but the, the four like women characters they're the ones that i thought about the most after watching it from the kid hacker who was way better than the jurassic park kid hacker to bertha to lewis to dr lazarus played by the great jill hennessy who is the subject of bradley whitford's like absolutely Olympic level sexual harassment. Yeah. The man goes, he's in the paint on this one. He is really battling it out. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's uncomfortable, but done in a way that's very intentional. So you know what it's doing. And she always has the last word in the upper hand until he blows his brains out later in the movie. So, right. Cause he's just a sad corporate piece of shit and she's a cool person with values. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, they all escape, um, I don't even remember how, you know, I'm sort of losing it, you know, but I'm I'm going to shake. Maybe everyone should get a second, second piece of cake. This is very sweet that like, you're sort of like a kid tiring yourself out, you know, Yeah, I'm ready for bad Josh. You're like, Oh geez. <laughs> oh no. Well, we haven't um, even talked about the, the, the kind of Mitsu corporation and their Otomo. Well, that's what I was endurance. getting to. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I, so we haven't even mentioned Mako yet. Mako's in this movie. Is that how you pronounce the name? Mako? Mako? Yeah. Which who's Mako? Uh, he's the older Japanese business. Oh, the CEO. Uh, yeah, the CEO of the Japanese. He's like fucking oh, legend, man. Yeah, he's been. Um, in... I I don't know much about him. I mean, you do know that he was the voice of Splinter in TMNT. Oh my god! So he's a, re- a re- return visitor to the realm of our wonderful podcast. He was the voice of uh, Uncle Iroh on Avatar: The Last Airbender. And mm. uh, speaking of. Uh, the West Wing. He played Doctor Yosh Takashi Takahashi on uh, the West Wing. Well, fantastic! I'm happy that the West Wing is ultimately the 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 ship that sails forward from RoboCop three. But man, if you don't know Mako, he's awesome. I'm sorry if I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he has like almost 200 acting credits. He's been in all sorts of shit. He's very cool, and it was really fun to see him in this movie as well. It's like a really nice get. He's got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, the ultimate American honor. Oh, wow, great. Um, so wait, I sort of forget. Can you remind me how um, RoboCop sort of parts ways with the? Oh no, that's right. He protects them. They go back to the precinct, and he gets his mind erased. Correct? Well, no. Bradley but I know not. Tells Doctor Lazarus to I do it, air but she doesn't do it. Yes. And him with the memory of of Nico seeing the young girl crawl into the church. He goes back to find her because that's the emotion of being RoboCop. Man, he can't ex- like. That is the human part of him. He wants to protect the innocent, and Nico to him is the innocent. It's so, he goes so to the much church. better than two. Two is like oh my God. he sees Hob, the boy drug dealer, and like has a strange flashback to the point where I'm like, wait, is Hob his son? Because they pair that. scene. I, I never once thought that, but I, I, I know but here's they pair that scene like beat against beat for him seeing his wife. 
like the very next scene is him his is RoboCop stalking his wife. So I was like, wait, maybe he starts stalking. No, it just his reminded wife. him of his son. It's not that I complicated. Know. It's, I know it's not complicated, this. but it's not well done because I'm like, wait, maybe he saw his son and started stalking his You're wife. You're overthinking this. It's I, just a bad movie. I'm allowed to overthink it because they gave me these thoughts. Frank <laughs> Miller gave me this thought. Wow. The Kirsch built this for me. This but is... no, that's really cool that he, he goes in, like in another movie, there probably would have seen where he, like in the second one where he has his memory like a race and half the movie would have been Robocop trying to figure out who he is again. But no, this is like a fucking awesome scientist being like, no, I don't want to strip this thing. This We made him human so that he would be human. We don't want robot cops. We well, there's just... that great moment where Bradley Whitford playing Fleck, I believe is his name, which is yeah. excellent naming. You know, he's like, he disobeyed <laughs> orders. You know, that, that's against his programming. And then she's like, no, he made a decision. He made a choice. That's what makes RoboCop RoboCop. And she understands that. Yeah. And he's not just a robot. And it's, it's, it's right. good writing for a movie that, again, it's RoboCop 3. We expected nothing from this. Okay. We expected what much worse than nothing. We expected to have to sit through another 90 minutes of just like watching cops be lauded for killing people. Right. So, Ugh. anyways, just to, to, to drag us through this this uh, recap, um, at the at the church, that's where the the urban rehabilitation squad shows up, and they're like, "RoboCop, get the fuck out of the way. We got to take care of these people." And RoboCop makes a decision. He's like, "Lewis, let's kill these motherfuckers." And yes. she's like, Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah. She gets shot immediately. This unbelievable scene. The scene that I I'm we're probably going to talk for like eight hours about just this one sequence, but Lewis is shot. RoboCop picks up her body and walks down the aisles of the church through the pews, and it's shot – a tracking shot from the side. So it, it feels like an old – what are the, the old the movies with like yeah, the yeah. rotating cylinder? Not an um, oscilloscope, but uh, – yeah, I know. Like the one with the horse, right? Right. Where you like see the horse run and you just put it in a thing and you spin it? Exactly. So it's this weird like, – it's like, it's like, you know, this like – it really powerful. It felt like we were watching like a '60s Czechoslovakian drama or something for a minute. It was the just like really is incredible. Oh my god! It's... And like he lays Lewis down and watches her die and records her final words. And it is an unbelievably emotional moment. Yeah, it really. And it, this is where I gasped because they even set it up. There's like she's getting in the car and someone says, "Hey, Lewis, you want a vest?" And she's like, "No, nah, I'm off duty." Even though I'm getting into a police car going to like. <laughs> probably a place where i could die nah but i was like no there's no way they're gonna kill lewis pop 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 three in the chest she's out and i just like what the fuck this this movie surprised me which is i mean i wasn't expecting to get surprised at all and it was very out of character for a third in a robocop series i would say like this is not what i was expecting at all no i i didn't think lewis would die at all i i wasn't expecting this like reverential vaguely christian sequence of like sacrifice and death and morality and again it felt like like a bergman movie for a minute like it was bizarre anyways there's so much more plot to get through yeah uh but i'll blitz through it because we're gonna we're gonna just get through the, the rest of this so basically robocop um joins the rebels the what's his name uh Coots, what's his name? Coots, Coots, yeah. Stephen Root as Coots, the traitor he's a, man. He's a traitor, and he sells them out. Um, the fucking girl's a cool ass hacker, and she, you know, she she fixes up RoboCop, and she gets rid she, of. His she direct- deletes the. 
the yeah. fourth directive. She gets rid of and the we fourth get directive. Yet another one of my favorite tropes in these movies where we see Robocop in and out of consciousness while people work on his body, which is I really wonderful. Yeah. And it's a good the great Daniel Von Bargen is in this, who is a wonderful character actor. You may know him from Malcolm in the Middle, you may know him from Super Troopers. Uh, he's in all kinds of stuff, playing like a tough, mean guy frequently, and he's one of the good guys in this. And I loved his performance in this. Yeah. He's wonderful. And if you are, wa- and if you did watch this, you'll notice that we didn't, we haven't really talked about the Japanese business side of things. And I honestly, I want to talk about it now because I think that was definitely like the. I don't know how I felt about it. It's like the music choices were definitely not great. Orientalist and racist. Yeah. yeah, some racist shit, and even the story itself is like i don't just i just don't think it needed to be in there as though like we're now need to blame like foreign japanese investments on our bullshit country i just i wasn't quite sure what the point of having ocp have to like have this like side plot of being taken over by a japanese company i agree that that's a a thinly developed and relatively unrewarding sector of the movie um and in general i would say otomo the the android who fights robocop was a big disappointment i thought it'd be a cooler fight scene and we did not get that i guess uh, fred decker in the trivia says that that he wishes he'd been able to do more with that and it is a real missed opportunity i thought there'd be a cool sword fight and there kind of isn't a sword fight which was inexplicable it's really Um, bad it's like it's worse than godzilla shit where it's like those are the epitome of just men in giant suits swinging their arms at each other this is if you i mean hey if you want to see robocop fall down a lot then this is the best movie for you. He because, does fall. Boy, it's, it's the most common problem with RoboCop. Is he gets, you can't really get up, which is you'd think they would have thought to address at some point. Maybe I like mean, a little jet booster, go <sighs> pop him up. They, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, basically this very intimidating when fighting a man, like he can do flips, he can punch and cut you wide open with a sword. But when fighting RoboCop, he decides to mostly just sort of walk around in a circle until he kicks robocop down but then robocop will eventually get up and do something to his face but man that the like the weird smile that they got on that mask when he was like got his jaw messed up and then he got his face ripped up a little creepy right the, 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 there's a really cool part uh where one of the Otomos has like a shattered, broken face and is joined by a second Otomo. So there's two Otomos fighting Robocop. That was a cool but Visually, scene. it was cool. The idea yeah. was cool. Again, like the delivery is is lacking. But um, yeah, and then to make a very long story short, Robocop saves the day. Yeah, I mean, so we get to the scene where OCP's like, we need 50 cops out in our front lines leading the charge. And there's a beautiful scene. Um, if you're not going to watch this movie, you should just watch this scene right now because it will like help you understand what defunding the police means and make you feel good about police actually doing work. Like not, not, we're not like, I'm not, I don't think we should get rid of police officers. They should just change their job to be helpful. And this is a great moment where the OCP is like, get your fucking guns and lead this charge. And Sergeant Tant, what's his name? Sergeant. They just call him Sarge, you know, yeah. just, let's stick with, uh, Sergeant Warren Reed, though Reed. I don't think for the life of me they ever really say <laughs> yeah, doesn't Reed. Matter. I don't think that ever happens. But the Sergeant's like, it. you know what? I don't want to do that. And he's like, you know what? If you don't do it, we're going to fire you and you have a home to go back to. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Whoop. Take my badge off, throw it on the ground. I do have to go back to my home and I have to look my family in the face. And I can't do that by murdering innocent people. So I quit. And then every, every other cop's like, yeah, I quit too. And all the fucking cops quit. And it was great. 
And I and like, then on the news, the news team, the, the woman on the news team who we've yes. seen maybe in all three movies, she also is like, you know, I refuse to just like regurgitate propaganda. This fucking sucks. I quit too. You see people taking direct action, taking risks, turning down the the profits of a world that you know rewards them for doing bad things. And they they do they follow their hearts, and a good thing happens, and and the company's malfeasance causes its downfall, and you know there's community communal action against a horrible system that is effective, and it, I don't know you could if you're, the first movie is like deliberately obtuse in its messaging, which makes part of its magic. The second movie is just straight trash, and in this movie, you know, it's a simplistic movie. You know, it's it's not a it's not a complicated movie, but I was really impressed that they showed that, that like it's possible to walk away from comforts and things that are being, you know, you, you can reject orders to do the right thing. And they did that in a way that I thought had nuance and subtlety to it that it definitely didn't need. And I was impressed by. Yeah. No, the, the, I really, I'm glad you brought up the scene with the newscaster where she like reads the story of how the police or I guess it was like RoboCops, a terrorist or something. And like, you're just like these the people that are actually good or bad she just like is like wait this is fucking bullshit are you expecting me to read this and and then just cuts to the man just being like uh and it's like we are experiencing te- technical difficulties we'll be back well no i'm um, also we're talking about this right now at a time where there's been such great reporting on how consistently police lie about what happens in these situations like the, read the, the official description of george floyd's death is Ugh, so fucking appalling and so crazy fucked. I believe they say he appeared to have medical complications while in custody. Yeah. That's their description of someone put a fucking knee on his goddamn was, neck for uh, almost 10 minutes. Due to like health conditions and they, I think they even tried to like blame it on drug use. Well, no, that, just, that was after the fact. The, that was the, the initial report. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, then, you know, you have the, 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 the in Buffalo saying yeah. that the fucking 75 year old Catholic pacifist tripped. Tripped and when fell. We see, when, when what, how many million people have seen that video? Probably close to a hundred at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all of these institutions just exist to perpetuate themselves the american empire capitalism law enforcement all the entire thing has to be an excuse to continue doing it and anything that deviates from that narrative is considered you know subversive and you know the craziest thing watching this movie is that they talk about augmenting forces and i i'm actually i broke a story in berkshire county about you know how the National Guard and how state troopers are using the same word augment to talk about building up their presence in rural Massachusetts yeah. during this time of unrest. And the parallel between OCP talking, like using these, you know, deliberately dense corporate terminology to talk about, you know, a surge of armed troops to clear out Cadillac Heights. I don't know. The, the, the resonance is, is uncanny right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really intense and in a good way. It's like, I would, without uh, this is like a movie that i would put on i mean certainly after a lot of like black voices and uh, other films that are like much more important but like this is a fun movie that you can put on right now if you're feeling like you just want a feel-good movie to get through the day that like really matches the vibe of what the protests are all about well yeah but, but i would say you know cch pandora's bertha that's uh a charismatic, strong black woman oh, no. leading of rebel gang. Nico is the, is a biracial child of a, of a of a family, and the, the, it's. I like that Robocop. True. It, it it tries to incorporate the sense of the future as being a time where it's not just traditional role models being carried out by you know boring white dudes. And and frankly, the joke basically is that Robocop is the most boring white guy of all time. He's such a boring white guy. 
Yeah. He almost has no personality. Yeah, he's <laughs> it's, like it's our parents. It's like he's not a bad person. He's just been trained to do a thing. But then after learning that there's another, like, oops, I, I got the wrong message. I was lied to my whole life. Uh, he switches sides and learns how to be a better RoboCop. He wants to be the best RoboCop he can be. And isn't that something we all can can take from and, and, and bring into our own lives, you know? Yeah, you know, especially if we get our little jetpack. Oh, jet the jetpack is great. Long story short, there's a big showdown at OCP. He beats the Otomo robots. They self-destruct. They blow up the whole fucking building. It's sick. Paul McDaggett dies in the, the jetpack flame. I would say the jetpack effects are not jaw-dropping, but They're I found them good, charming though. and yeah. fun to watch. They're very and fun. Just the idea of like – this is like some sequel shit that we're dying for. Let's make RoboCop fucking fly, motherfucker. Yeah. It's our whole thing about like, why not go to space with all of these? Why not go to space? This is the closest you know? I think we're ever going to get <laughs> somehow, which is really sad. Well, if, if we ever do Friday the 13th, we will go to space with Jason. But um, We actually might yes. we need to talk about our Halloween plans because as I think listeners probably figured out, Saw was supposed to be our oh. like two months leading up to Halloween and <laughs> we can't do it anymore because – the new saw has been delayed till next year. So we do have nine weeks to kill. And I, aren't there nine from the 13th movies? There's probably more. I don't even remember. We'll, 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 we'll take we'll care of that later, it out. But I know. So but look, I, we got to keep this like a tight hour tonight. Cause I got something to do next. So let's get towards the end of the show here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to bring up the rotten tomato score for one minute before we move on. Well, to yes. Cause we're, we're tracking, we're tracking this long running trend of, sequels really getting lambasted for reasons that I think are more about cultural exhaustion than the actual movie. Yeah. But this, so this received a three, a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't even know how that's really possible. It's like, there aren't even a hundred. It's like what a half a person gave this a positive. I don't really understand the, the metrics of Rotten Tomatoes, but it's, it's, it's like maybe the lowest. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that has received this low of a score when it shouldn't. It like, again, this doesn't deserve to get a three. I don't even understand what that means. Yeah, I mean, fuck them. They're just wrong. I think we, we've we've learned this lesson a few times in this series. Just like, you know, critics at, at just, at, you know, Roger Ebert's review, like, oh, just another another model off the line and from Detroit, you know, shit like that. Right. Like, fuck you, man. And that was like, this they, is so different from the first one it, and, and so different from the second one. It, yes. there's, pe- there's choices being made. I don't know. I don't even want to give the critics too much time. They just didn't engage with it. And like, no, I what else can I you think, say? If you, I, th- I think what I want to say is that if you look at Letterboxd, which is all people, like it definitely like it got sort of taken over now by some like indie wires and other thing do have their critics reviewing on letterbox for, for the most part it's a user rated system and even they were told that like this is a bad movie so who knows if people even see these things they just like oh this is the third in a robocop series obviously it's going to be trash i'm just going to give it my one star and go do something else with my life it's it's really sad like this is something that i think is worth watching and it's it's very fun especially if you're a fan of robot cops if this is a, if you're a fan of robot cops, this is like this is a good movie. I just did the most narcissistic thing I've done in a minute, where I read my own review, not realizing it was my review, and I was like, "Hell yeah, fuck yeah, this guy gets it. <laughs> He's fucking genius." But yeah, this is another example of uh, fucking idiots telling you what to think, and we're also idiots telling you 
well, I don't know if we're telling you what to think, but we're just saying we really had a great time. Do we even say that he has a fucking new gun hand that's really cool? He's got a cool new gun hand. Look, we loved this movie. It was great. We, so let, yeah. let me ask you the question, Charles. Are you asking when will it end? Because last episode, I was fucking done. Um, It is a hard question because I don't know. I think this movie worked for me very specifically. I mean, it definitely get a, a little bit higher rating and respect because of what we're living through right now. But also, the, I mean... It does. It did this thing very well, but I don't know that I want more of it. I think. I think that the first one is brilliant satire, and it's like really digs into the dark underbelly of America. And this is a very overt, superficial, optimistic, just like wow, look at this. And that's not very interesting. It's very fun, but I don't think I want either two went overt pro-fascist this one overt pro so 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 fuck so seal so seal pro cecil this is a very pro cecil movie uh it's fans of cecil will love this it's it's very like it's they both do things very overtly and this just because this one's more palatable and fun and has a nice message i don't think it really deserves to just keep going like this um the world itself is just like a one-trick pony it's like we have a corporation, we have the police, we have robot cop. I don't really think there's much more you can do with it other than what the first one did. So yeah, I, I'm I'm continuing to say just like, when will this end? I don't need more of this in my life. I'm actually going to echo you on this. As much as I enjoyed this, I hear you. We finally saw OCP get destroyed in the most fairy tale like oh, outing of the entire series. That's a nice sense of completion. It's hard to imagine them milking more out of this. I mean, obviously, the original screenwriter's intended version of him waking up deep in the future, that sounds fucking cool. I'm all on board for, unless it's a dramatic step out of this experience, this trilogy has to end, I think, with this. Right. So I'll say when will it end at this point, but with the caveat that if someone showed up with the time travel slash go to space aspect, so, then I'm back on board. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Josh, Go crazy I think, with this. I think... We just need to take that out. Like we can't have that because obviously we would never ask when will it end if they were going to bring it to space. Yeah. So I think we always have to be asked. Like we're asking the question: Are we asking when will it end, knowing that it's never going to go to space? Because we are always waiting for them to go to space, and I will always not ask when will it end, just on the chance that they might might take it there. For the record, on Letterboxd, RoboCop Two is almost a full point score above robocop 3 robocop 2 rather and that is fucking appalling yeah people are i, I talk to people idiots. it's like with blade 2 which is very similar to, to to uh robocop 2 just like blade 3 is sort of like a kitty food version of blade and blade 2 is this blown out you know very unlikable bright irritating movie um yeah. anyways I, people have these obsessions i talk to people like oh i remember robocop 2 rules i'm like no it sucks yeah. You saw I mean, when I, you were a kid. It's not good. Yeah. Just ugh. like this is a movie I think that would be very similar. Like your understanding of RoboCop 3 as a child would probably be very similar to your understanding as RoboCop 3 as an adult. Like it's not that complicated. It's very easy. It's kid friendly. But yeah, if you watched RoboCop 2 as a kid, don't fucking watch it again. It's fucking garbage. But this like, yeah, this is good. I, 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 I give it a robo thumb up. <laughs> that's beautiful um this is actually just an interesting historical point um th- this is the first movie ever to use digital morphing in more than one scene 
Whoa. Wait, when was the other and, scene? Uh, I think probably some of the Otomo face stuff. Oh, yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a bomb. People hated it. It, it didn't it, – it, it lost at least $12 million. Society is, is sometimes just full of disappointment. Hey, Maybe we deserve the RoboCop 2. If we're not going to wow. laud the RoboCop 3, maybe we should just all live in RoboCop 2. That's really beautiful. I would like to cho- I would like to choose my MVP because I have one. Okay. And I'm very excited to to say her name as Dr. Lazarus. Uh she is my my pick for MVP. Yeah, she's great. She's fucking awesome. She's spunky and cool and quick and clever and I love that she gave up her job at the corporation to go fight with the rebels. Cool ass person. I'm giving mine to Bertha. She's the kind of rebel leader that I wish I could rally behind to have a scrappy gang of outcasts fighting against a corporate overlord. That'd be so yeah. sick. I found her exciting and charismatic and and interesting, and, and I thought she was a great leader. And I, yeah. I wish we had more leaders like like Bertha. I think Lazarus, to me, like really gained my respect when she didn't like. And there's not even like a scene of her being like, "I'm gonna make sure to not." clear his memory just like sort of cuts and you almost think that it happens but like she just does this thing to not for any particular reason other than that she doesn't want to steal the humanity away from from robot cop and throughout the whole movie she acts against sexism and like clear sexual assault and she just like stands her ground is a really great like she carried me through a lot of the movie in the same ways that all these all these characters are great. It's a, it was actually one of those movies where it was hard to choose one, but she really was, I think, pivotal to the heart of this movie. Yeah, and uh, I also look at that that RoboCop again enforces consent uh, with a gun, which is awesome. Um, I want to close the episode with uh, what I think is quietly one of the best ideas for sequels ever presented in a sequel. When Leon is talking to the Sarge at the police, the precinct, he goes, all right, if you got a RoboCop, you got an alien cop, huh? You got ghost cop? Yeah. Then Sarge goes, Leon, I told you I don't got time for this. And Leon goes, <laughs> you got a vampire cop? And I'm like, Leon, you got to work for Orion because you could have maybe made the best RoboCop four ever. <laughs> And yes. uh, we'll never know what that was. Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, I have to go. I we need to will, eat dinner. Yeah. But we will know what the new RoboCop is going to be like because next week we'll be watching, I think it's just called RoboCop again, right? It's just, it's a full remake. It's called RoboCop. Um, I want to keep an eye on the director who I've heard some shady things about. Yeah. And I will say I saw this movie in theaters and I didn't hate it. I don't think, while remaking RoboCop is patently ridiculous, um, it does not need to be remade. I will say that this I did. I don't remember hating this, and I'm interested to see what what it feels like in 2020. I agree. So that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in a new version of old Detroit. Until next time, dead or alive, you're listening to When Will It End? <laughs> I like from the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Got it.